0: God has worked incredible miracles in my life and I wanted to tell you that God is eager to work today that's what I've come to tell you God is eager to work on your behalf Isaiah 64 verse 4 says the following it says since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. God is eager to work on your behalf. You think you're disqualified. You think, "Oh, maybe God doesn't want to do much for me. This says He's eager. And the same thing goes in First Corinthians 2 verse 9. It says, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived... The things God has prepared for those who love Him. God has something prepared for you tonight. And God has made an appointment with you today. That's why you're here. That's why He's asked me to be here in your busy week, a busy weekend. You maybe went to Vilsfiers or something and you had a distracted week or maybe you feel defeated or just deflated. And God's asked me not to waste your time and to get right to it. And He's given me a very specific task today. Is to answer one question. How can you and I be glad? How can you and I just be happy? Extraordinarily happy. Do you want to be glad? Maybe? Sorry. You know, I believe that there is more joy and satisfaction in the person of Jesus Christ than in any other thing this world has to offer or any person has to offer. In fact, earthly pleasures are dull in the light of the goodness and fullness we find in the wells of salvation and in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'm going to take you on a little journey, if that's okay. I have by no means mastered the art of being glad, but I feel like God's even gifted me to be a joyful person. And I've had to check myself for the last two years because it feels like my smile has started to go away. And I had to address this for myself. And so when I'm speaking about this, I want to let you know that I also ask the question, how can I be glad? Or even how can I be glad again? We're going to start with a story. Um, oh, my message called, is called, When you forget what you had for dinner by the time it's breakfast. You ever done that? You, some of you don't even know what you had for breakfast this morning. Yeah. Or lunch, even. <laughs> but sometimes we do that, isn't it? Like, wake up the next morning. What happened yesterday? <laughs> okay, well, for some people, the reason might be different as to what the reason might be for me, that you don't remember what you had for. <clears throat> okay. Now, we're going to read the story in Mark 6 of, uh, of where Jesus feeds 5,000 men. Now, just a disclaimer. Uh, the men represented a family. So they were counting husbands because they're counting families. So the husband just re- represented the family. It's not like, okay, well, they're just counting men here. They're counting families. And there are about 20,000 people in the story. And I want you to pretend today that you are a disciple. I, I'm a disciple. I'm going to throw myself into that story. And Because I believe that it's important when reading your Bible that you put yourself in their time and place first before you bring the story to your time and place. We get some perspective. So pretend you're a disciple. We're in Mark 6 verse 32. Here we go. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. You know, just a couple of us and Jesus. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot. From all the towns and got there ahead of them. They were like, I think they're going there, we're gonna get there ahead of them. These people were quite desperate. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. So Jesus was doing a sermon series all on one day. Verse 35. But this time it was late in the day. I did check with Pastor George. I asked him, what is the Greek for late in the day, late in the day in that passage? And he said to me, spa is closing. I don't know what that means. Is that right, George? And if it's very late, it's super spa is closing. (laughs) If you're from spa, uh, I like the sushi. (laughs) So you're imagining this, right? It's getting late in the day and you're like, I'm getting hungry now. You're one of the disciples. But Jesus is there because he has compassion on the people. It was getting late in the day. So the disciples came to him, you and me. And like, Jesus, um, this is a remote place. And it's already very late. It's past closing. Um, why don't you send these people away? By the way, very nice sermons here as you're preaching all day. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside, buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, "Um, that that would take more than half a year's wages, half a year's salary. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. (laughs) And when they found out, there was a big arm wrestling competition about who's going to go tell him. So now, they're like, John, 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 you go. Please, man. He likes you, you know, you just hug and you like, Jesus, I'm so very sorry, man. It's like, ah, please, John, can you just take one for them? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not going. I don't want to disappoint Jesus. I'm way too busy performing my way into my two IC position with Jesus. Okay. I'm just, I don't want to disappoint him. Why doesn't Peter go? Peter, you're like very clever. You know, all the things, you top student, you know, why don't you go? And Peter said, I don't even like fish. I've been on a strict chicken diet. And, um, and I, I just, my hands are cold. I want to stay by this fire. I'm not going to go. And then they're like, Thomas, and you and I stay. Thomas, don't you want to, don't you want to go? And he's like, only five and three. I can't believe it. This I have to see. I have to, I can't believe it. it's only five year and three year. And yeah, I, I just can't believe it. Um, And then they're like, Judas? And then Judas, I have an idea, actually. Why don't we tell him that there are only three loaves and one fish? And then that way we get to make sure we also have some. Heavy, eh? Yeah, well, some of us are still like that, isn't it? It's a joke, but some of us are still like John, eh? Performing our way into Jesus' heart. Hoping nothing disappoints him. Some of us are like Peter, you know. Some of us are like Thomas. I need to see in order to believe instead of believing in order to see something. Um, None of us like Judas, I think. None of us are like that. Um, Anyway, so we carry on. We're in verse 38. Sorry, I, I digress there. When they found out, They said five and two fish. Now they have a huddle again. Okay, there's only five. You and me were there with John, Peter, all the guys. And we're like,
1: just tell him there are only five and two.
0: That's not enough to feed 20,000 people. And then you'll say, oh man, there are only five and two. Send them home. Great idea. And they send send you. Jesus, excuse me. Um, uh, I don't think there's enough and um, Jesus said, what what did you have? Let's go to verse 39. Jesus directed them uh, to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. Verse 40, so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, I just wanted to stop there. Have you ever tried uh, making people sit down in groups? If you're a teacher, you'd be like, oh, oh, athletics day, all these days, please help. Uh, They're not very cooperative all the time. So now you and I, we're there. We are one of the disciples and we're trying to to figure this out. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. Now, I can imagine at this point in time, Peter and some of the guys, if you're a Hebrew, a young Hebrew man, then you would have seen a little story almost like this before in the Old Testament. It's in 2 Kings. It's where Elisha, took some bread and he fed a hundred men with it and they thought it was too little as well. And I think it maybe it dawned on Peter. I know what he's going to do with this now. He's going to do the Elisha thing. And Peter takes a roll. And he's like, yes, Jesus, yeah, take the roll. Everybody watch. He's going to do the thing. I know about this, you know. He's going to do the thing. Everybody watch. And Jesus gave him a roll. And um, he gives Jesus a roll, sorry, and Jesus takes it. And he breaks the roll that Peter gave him in half and gives him half back. Are you sure you're done praying? But Jesus blesses it. He gives thanks for it. He breaks it. He gives it to the disciples to distribute. And if I was Peter, I was like, I don't know. If I was Peter and I had this small piece of bread and I'd go to the first group, you know what I'd say? Take just a tiny bit, please. Just a tiny bit, please. Just a tiny bit, please. Just a tiny. And at the end of the row, it's not done yet. Just a tiny bit. Jesus takes. Jesus blesses and gives thanks. Jesus gives to us and we trust him. Little by little. And we trust him and we trust him. And we trust him and we trust him. The end of the row, we find... That it's more than enough. Verse 43 and 42, sorry. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. Are there 12 um, box masters to take home? The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. So disciples in the boat, Jesus on the land. They don't know that it's him over there. He saw the disciples straining at the oars, because the wind was against them. Shortly before the dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake, and he was about to pass by them. So they had dinner the night before. The miracle of the dinner. And here's the next morning. It's the dawn. It's almost breakfast time. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. Ah! You know, they cried out. Because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood or considered the miracle of the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. So, I want to look at three parts to the story that will reveal to you maybe why you're not glad and how you can be glad. The first part is at dinner terms and conditions for miracles. Now, you're like, yes, Vincent, I want miracles. I've got my pen ready. Because we think we do something in order to get it or not get it. But uh, I wanted to give you four four reasons or four things to focus on at dinner. No one is excluded on the basis of number at that dinner. If it was 5,001 men and families, 5,001 men and families would have had food to eat. He did not say, I will feed the first. 500 of these people and the rest, you may starve, but from the compassion in the heart of Jesus, because of the greatness of their number and the direness of their need, he was moved to come forward and to supply every last one. Grace supplies to all. Amen. No one, no one is excluded on the basis of number. You think that you are not counted in for a miracle. And maybe you think you're not counted in for the supply of grace and the goodness of God to work out in your life. You hear many stories. You um, think, but surely not me. Surely not me. Maybe I'm disqualified for some reason. I don't even know. Yet you play the lotto. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but today I want to tell you that grace applies to all. No one is excluded on the basis of number. Secondly, no one is excluded on the basis of merit. No work's required. He doesn't wait for you to be deserving of a miracle. He waited for nobody to be deserving enough of having food that day. You wait for him, trusting that he knows your need. Loafers got loaves too that day. Even the loafers got. And conversely... He did not say only the most holy 50 got either. Requirements of merit did not exclude any person from the miracle of the loaves. And it doesn't exclude you and me either. His love calls us to come. Unworthy as we are, he invites us freely. He invites us repeatedly. He invites us earnestly. He even sometimes commands us, come to me. Come to me if you are heavy laden. No one is excluded on the basis of merit. Thirdly, no one is excluded on the basis of their contribution. It's all grace. None of them had extra to contribute. They found in this story, they did not say who brought the five loaves and two fish. But certainly it didn't come from 20,000 people, maybe one or two. But all the other 19,998 did not have to contribute a crust or a crumb or a thing or even some advice they were all hungry but not one could produce a crust and the Lord didn't ask him to either. He didn't send them away because they were poor. No one is excluded on the basis of contribution. You are not excluded from God's eagerness to work on your behalf. You are not excluded. So what are the conditions for receiving miracles? Number four. The only term and condition hunger faith just a tiny bit even the tiniest amount are you eager to see him work on your behalf are you eager can I hear an amen if you're eager yeah that's the first part the terms and conditions is hunger part two at breakfast now this is a very important part Verse 48 says, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Jesus sees your struggles. Sometimes you feel like everything's against you and the wind's against you. Jesus sees them and he goes towards them. And then Mark 6.52 says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. This part at breakfast is if you miss the miracle behind you, you'll have no hope. For what lies before you. What's happening here? The disciples' hearts were hardened. Now, I know that in the Word, there's some places where the Pharisees had such a hard heart, but it was hatred. I'm not talking about hatred against Jesus, I'm talking about a hardness of heart forming, which is what's happening to these disciples. Although they had seen his power in feeding the 5,000 just 12 hours ago, they did not understand that the same power was available to help them. The very next morning, if you miss the miracle behind you, you'll have no hope for what lies before you. You'll be hopeless and hardened. If you miss the miracle in your last season, it will diminish what you believe God can do in the next. Miracles are staring you in the face. You don't even know what a miracle it took for you to get that job. You don't even know what a miracle it took for that person who's sitting next to you to be sitting next to you tonight. You don't even know what a miracle it took for you to get out of that situation. You don't even know what a miracle it took for you to get strong again, or for somebody in your life to get back up on their feet again. You don't even know what a miracle it took for you to finish school and to be the first person in your family to go to university. Yeah? It's a miracle, amen? A miracle for a person to forgive you, for you to forgive somebody else. to apply exactly and sufficiently what you need when you need it at most. Grace has always been sufficient. Amen? Yeah. If you want to keep seeing God move and do miracles, we gotta get up and praise Him for what He already did. Revival in our midst hinges on our hunger and expectation and anticipation of a God who works miracles. And his first big miracle was that he raised from the dead. So I wanted to ask the central question. Because of this scripture we just read about the disciples' hearts being hard and them forgetting what they had for dinner before it was breakfast. Do you have a hardened heart? For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, For their heart was hardened. Have you got some disappointment in something that happened in the week or last week? Disappointment in somebody, in yourself, a personal failure? Do you have a sense of just being empty? You read your Bible, you just don't get anything out of it anymore. You might have a hardening heart. You find yourself uninterested with being with other believers or Christians and you see, you know, announcements about Alpha and about small groups and you think, ah, whatever. I've heard that announcement, you know, I just want to be by myself. You feel like a fraud sometimes in worship, that you're a person who'd rather just come in late or rather just wait for it to be over because you don't you don't want that int- intimacy with God. You see other people crying and worshiping and you think it's either fake or you know, or they're just being emotional, you think, I'll never have that. You might just have a hardening heart. You blame everybody else for the dysfunction in your life. Never you. Your mom, your boss, your employer, your pastor. Somebody. It's always somebody else but you. You and your spouse. You can't even pray anymore. You might be having a hardening heart. You can't talk about things. The job you got five years ago was a miracle in the moment. But now you loathe getting up for it. Used to love serving at church. Used to be here early, leave late. And now, planning centers, no no response. (laughs) Sorry, man. You know, all these miracles staring in the face, but life for you shrinks down to the size of your problems. And life becomes that small while you have at your side the God of all the universe. This, this type of hardening is an emergency. I get a sniffle and I go to the pharmacy. Like, I don't want to be sick. But a hardened heart is a way more deep and concerning thing than even any illness you can have in your body. It is an emergency. When his mercies are forgotten, the heart grows cold. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, their heart was hardened. Hard hearts and painful unbeliefs spring up in the graves where we bury our forgotten mercies. You know, when we look at Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did at one time is an example for what he's willing to do again and again and again and again again for you. This really is an emergency. If the disciples had said, ah, Consider the loaves from last night. They would have known very deeply that Jesus was extraordinary in emergencies. They had the emergency, stormy, uh, straining against the oars. If they had considered the loaves, 5,000 men, these people didn't even ask. God thought of it. God thought of solving the hunger problem. And he's solving problems you did not even know exist yet. You're gonna find them there. He's already working on them. So many burdens have I carried to Jesus and found them to vanish. What need has he not supplied to me? He has supplied every need up until this moment. I cannot count one where he has fallen short. So I will not be afraid. Consider the miracle of the loaves as it has transpired in your own life. And do, do not be afraid, whatever your present trouble might be. And then lastly, my question is this, leading from the previous one. Is your heart hardening? So what is hiding in your heart? What is hiding in your heart? Because what you hide in your heart is what holds your hope. (laughs) You know? Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. A hardening heart is a function of what is hiding in your heart. I wanted to take you to uh, last Thursday, last Thursday night. Um, uh, I was quite busy, and Charisse quite busy with a deadline, and my youngest daughter, Vida, she's getting sick again, and uh, she's just coughing. Now, now I have a thing about coughing. I just, and she's coughing and coughing, and she can't sleep. And the more she's coughing, the more she's crying, because it hurts. And now she's not sleeping, and Charisse and I just thought, oh, we just need the rest um, tonight. So coughing was starting to hurt her. And I was sitting in bed and I could feel my own heart start to get hard again. My inner dialogue went like this. Oh Lord, please not again. Why now? Why? 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 I need sleep. I've got early morning devotions on this tomorrow morning. My wife needs rest. It's just one thing after the other. She's been sick since February. And last Thursday, it was the whole dog thing. Then I take the dog to the vet. That was... made a big hole in my pocket. And the week before that, it was the chair incident. And I don't know want to think about the chair incident. It's so silly. And the week before that, it was the car incident. And the week before that, it was the other. And I was just compiling this thing in my heart about things I'm hardening myself about. And hiding in my heart are all the pessimistic voices of the past disappointments and failures and letdowns. They're hiding there, ready to build a rock garden or another rock feature in your heart. Ready to make it cold and unwelcoming forever. I went to lie by my daughter. I put my head against her head. She likes that. She's like puts her head, like shoves it. In, you know, right? They're like, ow. But she's sick. I'm lying there by her. And you know, since I was a young boy, I showed you that photo for a very important reason. Since I was even before that age in that photo, I have hidden the word of God in my heart. And I thank him that I, there were songs that taught me his word. And I just heard these words. They did not consider the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. And I thought, this child who is coughing is a miracle. We waited 10 years for her. 10 years of waiting through infertility. Waiting for the miracle lying right in front of me to conceive her. I started to consider the loaves. Earlier that night, another family in church blessed us with dinner. We didn't ask. It was the kids' favourite. They didn't know. I even considered that loaf. I considered how God healed my lung pain. I considered the loaf of rain as it fell outside on Thursday night in answer to prayer. I considered the miracle of an anonymous person blessing me on this very stage seven years ago with the instrument of my dreams. I didn't ask for it. I considered the miracle loaf of deliverance God sent my way when I was confronted by enemies, tormenting my mind with guilt and shame in the year 2012. I considered the loaf of how I thought I was done and God visited me in 2011 and said, I'm not done with you, I'm doing a new thing. I started to consider the loaf of his faithfulness. In 1998, how he was faithful to my family. And in 2007, how God poured out a songwriting gift to me that I don't deserve. A miracle of the loaves of God's provision in 2020 and 2021. Here you are. Can you consider the miracles in your life? These loaves. I started to consider the miracle of the loaves of his providence. Sending a bursian to a small town called Utenag to come here to PE in 2022 to tell you to consider the most miraculous and wonderful of all of the loaves that shed His blood on the cross for you and me. The most miraculous loaf hanging on a tree broken for me. The miracle of the loaf of grace beaten and rent for us. Heaven's bread ripped apart so that I could be filled up to satisfaction. And I could feel as I was thinking about this lying by my daughter and I went to all the things I'm considering, I'm considering and I considered Jesus' body broken for me. My heart started to melt like wax in my chest. And it's like my eyes were like the gutters outside <laughs> from all the rain. Overwhelmed with gratitude. Gratitude. Remember the loaves. Remember the miracle of heaven's body broken for us. Remember the loaf of the living Christ broken, seen walking on stormy seas after death, climbing into the boat of our humanity in the form of the Holy Spirit and saying, fear not, I am with you. Oh, forget not his faithfulness and consider the miracle of the loaves and you will have hope inexhaustible, joy indestructible and peace forevermore. And this is what it means that we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. That we have these loaves and the blood of Christ. And this is how we overcome. By considering the loaves and considering Christ. Consider the loaves. And you will walk expectantly with childlike faith in the promises of God. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That He will satisfy you with every good thing. And he will withhold no good thing from you who walk upright. Blessed are you in your sowing. Blessed are you in your reaping. In your coming and your going. Psalm 92 verse 4 says this. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How can you and I be glad? We consider The miracle of the life. Amen? We consider the miracle of the life. Singing for joy at the work of his hands. Josh, would you mind joining me? Can we stand together? Church. I have to mention the clock at some point in time. Is this the time now? It says minus four minutes. Um, I wanted to share another testimony. Is that okay? Are we all still here? (laughs) I was standing right here on the 20th of March um, this year, just a few months ago. And while I was leading you in worship, I had been having severe panic attacks. Now, I'd never had anything like this. I thought, you know, some things are just up here, but it was so intense that it gripped my entire body and I felt like I was dying. It was happening quite often. It started at night in January and February and it intensified throughout March and April. And it would last for hours and hours and hours. Well, I feel like every second I'm about to die. And I was here, right here, leading worship, singing, great is your faithfulness to me. And I again, I could feel my heart getting harder and harder as this thing is happening to me, gripping me. And I said, Lord, why? Again, why, what's was and I looked down even just to my instruments and I thought, here is a loaf I'm holding, a miracle. God heard my prayer one time before. I should not forget what I had for dinner by the time it's breakfast. And I started to consider, you know, we sing in church and it's just almost on repeat. If we recall his faithfulness, consider the loaves. How God opened a door for you. How God got you that job, how it would have been impossible for you to sit here today if not for the Lord on your side. Amen. So we consider the faith, the, the faithfulness of our Lord.
1: And sing great is your faithfulness to to you, the yay, yeah. is my hope and firm.
0: father we consider the loaves tonight you are a miracle working god you have given us a new heart you place your spirit inside of us and you gave us a heart of flesh in exchange for our hearts of stone you are the everlasting god you will not grow tired or weary you give strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak those who hope in you will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint. Father, we thank you that inexhaustible gladness and joy can be ours found in the fountain of living waters called your Son. We consider the loaves again. And thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We do give the Lord a shout of praise. Thank you, Father.